Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. All right, week three in a message series called Isn't She Lovely? And we're talking about the church. In his letters to some of the churches that he started, the Apostle Paul referred to the church as the bride of Christ. Now, if you grew up in church, maybe you've heard that language before, but I bet if you didn't grow up in church, that sounds kind of weird. I remember it sounded weird to me uh, when I first heard it, and it still sounds like describing something I'm a part of as the bride. I mean, as a guy, it's just weird. Like, so what is Paul talking about? What are we after here? In week one, we talked a little bit about how a bride looks forward to her wedding day, right? With purity and anticipation, with purity and total devotion to her groom. Not distracted. And that's no small thing to accomplish because Long Island weddings, we talked a little bit, Long Island weddings are crazy. Long Island weddings are like next level nuts. There's, there's so much money being spent. There's so many moving parts to the whole thing. There's a lot to be caught up in. So if you're, you know, uh, some of you, maybe uh, you're headed for a wedding, Maybe some of you wish you were headed for a wedding. Uh, maybe some of you are going to be a guest at a wedding. But if you've ever been in any way in close proximity to the, to the preparations involved in a wedding, you get like right, right exactly when the bride and groom uh, ought to be looking into each other's eyes and working on their relationship and preparing for their life to come. They're worried about the caterer and the menu and the band or the DJ and, and, and the flowers and the dress and the bridesmaids and the drama. When you get a bunch, bunch of people together in a wedding party, there's drama. Have you noticed that there's drama when people get together? Have you observed? That young man has never been a part of a wedding party. Okay, so, um, yeah, there's, there's drama when people get together. And so, Right at this exact moment, you know, the bride might be distracted by a whole bunch of other things. When Paul talks about us as the bride, the analogy we used was, man, when you come into church, don't be distracted by the details. There's a lot of stuff going on around here. There's a lot of things happening. You could get caught up in uh, what's up with the parking lot. You could get caught up in, you know, what, what's happening in the, in, in the cafe. You could get distracted by uh, anything from the temperature of the room to the volume of the, the band and, and, and who's singing what and who's saying what. And I mean, all it takes is a suggestion. 30 seconds ago, 16, 18 seconds ago, I said the temperature of the room, and now all of you are thinking, is it hot, is it cold, where am I? You just make a suggestion, and all of a sudden our brains just rabbit trail. So the deal is, you could come into church and focus on all these little details and miss Jesus. We talked about this a little bit in week one. We've got to be careful because we, we spend so much of our lives, we spend a lot of our lives as consumers, we've got to be careful to not come into church like consumers. We, we don't, we don't uh, our church doesn't publish a bulletin. If you, when I grew up in, in, in church, uh, there, there was always a bulletin. You'd come in, you'd get a bulletin, somebody would hand you a little piece of paper, and it took us a while to get away from that because it just felt weird to not hand somebody a piece of paper when they walked in. Uh, but I remember as a kid, getting into, and even as a, as a teenager, getting to church, opening the bulletin, and opening that bulletin like it was a menu. 
oh, well, I like this. I think that's going to be good. I don't like that. I don't care for that song. And like all of a sudden, we're looking over, we're looking at a church service because we have the eyes of a consumer. We're looking at a church service through the lenses of what do I like and what do I not like and what pleases me and what doesn't please me. When the whole time we're supposed to have our eyes on Jesus, the whole point of coming here is for you to connect with your heavenly Father. Don't get caught up in the details. And then in week two, we talked a little bit about humility. We talked a little bit about, about, about how uh, the, the, the bride comes to, to the groom on her wedding day in humility. Can, can you imagine, we said this last week, can you imagine anything more off-putting than an arrogant bride? Can you imagine anything more, like, just gross than a bride walking down the aisle thinking, I am better than everyone here? Like, like, ew, like, that's not supposed to be how it goes. The bride comes to her wedding day in humility. And our application point for us, this was last week's message, is that we don't have to spend any time at all wondering who else got invited to the wedding. Everybody else that got invited to the wedding, not your business. You don't have to worry, well, I can't believe they got invited. I can't believe they're here. Are they going to invite those people? Is that person going to get to come? Is this person going to be in heaven? Are those people going to be a part of the church? Is this or that? We spend time wondering, well, who else is on the guest list? And you don't need to spend any other time at all wondering who else got invited. You're lucky you got invited. With me? We're all sinners. We're all broken. We all, we're all kind of messed up. We're all saved by God's grace, all of us. And no one of us is any holier than anyone else. And no one's sin is any more or less repulsive than that of anybody else. The ground before the cross is level. So we don't have to worry about who else got invited to the wedding. Today, we're talking a little bit about unity when it comes to the bride of Christ. Unity. It's a theme that's been coming up for our church a little bit over the last year. And it's something I want to continue to reinforce. How many of you have observed in your life that there's a percentage of people on the planet that you simply do not like? Nobody? Really? We're not? We're going to... We're going to pretend I didn't just say that? Is that where we're going? Yeah. There's a percentage of people on the planet that you just don't like. Yes? Yeah. 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 And, you're, and some of you are like, yeah, I don't like you. You're talking to me about this stuff that makes me uncomfortable. I know. It's okay. So look, there's a percentage of people that you're not going to like. There's going to be a percentage of people in the world that get on your nerves. That's true for everybody. I don't care who you are. You could be the most gregarious, loving, just kind. I mean, you, you could be the second coming of Mother Teresa. I don't care. There's going to be somebody in your life that just gets on your nerves. Right? Yeah. Here's a, a small life hack style observation that may serve you well as that happens to you. If there's somebody in your life that gets on your nerves pathologically, I mean all the time, their very presence grates at your soul. <laughs> Chances are that person reminds you of you. Chances are that person reminds you of you. There's something about yourself that you are not comfortable with, that that person 
is, is reminding you of. And so you don't want anything to do with him or her. Right? So that's, that's not even like where we're going with the sermon. That's just like free extra stuff. The point we're trying to make is, from time to time, a percentage of people are going to get on your nerves. And what that means is, from time to time, there are going to be people who get on your nerves in church. There will be somebody here who irritates you. There'll be somebody here who hurts you. There'll be somebody here who did wrong by you in business. There'll be someone here who... Uh, didn't invite you to the party. There'll be someone here who said something about you on social media, and they didn't name you, but all your friends knew that it was about you. You ever had that happen? Yeah. Somebody said something about you on social media. You didn't use your name, but everybody knew that was a shot across the bow, and they were talking about you, and now you're embarrassed, or you're upset, and, 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 and drama, right? So drama, and stress, and bip, 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 and all this. Like, when you put people together in a room, eventually, you have conflict. So what do we do when there are people in church who get on our nerves, who hurt us, who, who treat us poorly, who don't do, by, do right by us in business, who, who in some way slight us or are rude to us or in some way hurt us or injure us? What do we do when we encounter that within the body, within this? Listen up, because this is important. We forgive. We forgive. And that may sound to you like, well, duh. Guys, this is important. And I was reminded recently of how important it is. Listen to this from the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Period. So, that is Jesus Christ speaking, and he's delivering those words not, I mean, this comes right on the heels of the place where he talks about the Lord's Prayer. Like the apostles go to him and they say, uh, Rabbi, teach us to pray. Teach us, show us how to pray. And, and, and that's weird because they're grown men. Like, teach me to pray is something a little kid says. But they're grown men and they grew up in temple and Jesus kind of goes, okay, you guys know how to pray. Like, you learned to memorize prayers and you know how to pray. And they're like, no, 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 no. We want to pray like you. Like when you talk to God, there's like some amazing stuff happening. Teach us to pray like you. And then he gives them what we now refer to as the Lord's Prayer. A prayer that he obviously never intended to, to be memorized and repeated mindlessly. It's a prayer that was meant to be said mindfully and, and, and aware. And one of the lines in that prayer, as you may remember, is forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Yes? Remember that? Yeah. Well, what's a trespass? Well, it's a sin, okay? If you look to the line, the word trespass, what, what does it mean if somebody trespasses? Well, they came on your property. They crossed a line, didn't they? There's a property line. 
You trespassed. You came into my yard. You came into my place. You entered my space unwelcome. You came into my house. You're in my kitchen with your mess. You, you're, you're in my space and you shouldn't be and I'm angry about it. That's a trespass. So Jesus says, forgive us our trespasses like because we've trespassed against God. Forgive us as we forgive others. Like not forgive us then we'll forgive others. Forgive us as we forgive others. It, it, it's happening at the same time. And then, you know, lead us not into temptation. All, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. That actually got added later. That's actually not in the scripture. But that's the conclusion of the prayer. And then the very next thing after the prayer is this. Uh, if you forgive others, God will forgive you. If you don't forgive others, God won't forgive your sins. Now, I think our teaching team here has done a really good job of emphasizing for our congregation that forgiveness is good for you. Forgiveness is a good thing for you. When you forgive, you do something good for you. Forgiveness is not a gift you offer to the offender. Many people have just decided not to forgive somebody because they don't deserve to be forgiven. They did wrong and they don't deserve it. I'm never going to forgive that person for what they did. I'll never forget and I'll never forgive them because they don't deserve. Forgiveness is not something you give because somebody is deserving of it. Forgiveness is something you give because it's good for you. Carrying that grudge is poisonous. Carrying that hate is poisonous. It'll poison you. You're drinking poison hoping somebody else will die from it. That's, that's no good for you. I think we've done a good job of emphasizing that forgiveness is good for you. But I don't think I've done a really good job of emphasizing that not forgiving somebody actually puts your soul in mortal peril. I mean, it's just easy to scooch over those verses and just, oh yeah, we read them and move. Hello? Like, God not forgiving my sins is a huge thing. I don't have another way to deal with my sins. I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna behave my way out of my sins. I can't perform my way out of my sins. I can't preach my way out of my sins. When I stand before God, it isn't gonna be, well, yeah, Bert, you did a lot of messed up stuff, but you were a preacher and everybody liked your sermons. We're cool. Not how it goes. No, 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 no. My sin is just as gross as your sin, and I need a Savior just as much as you. And what that means is I need God to forgive me of my sins. So if there's something I'm doing that, that might prevent God from forgiving me for my sins, I'm going to stop doing that thing now. And so if my lack of willingness to forgive others is in the way... It's in the way not just of your progress. It's not just in the way of you becoming your full and best self. It's in the way of salvation itself, team. This is a big deal. We are called to walk in forgiveness, to forgive others. And you don't have to, look, you don't have to talk to a person even to forgive them. You can forgive somebody in your heart which is convenient because some of you need to forgive people who aren't even on the earth anymore. You don't have to verbalize it. You can, it's good for you, but you don't have to. 
but you do have to let go. Now let me offer an addendum on this. Because any time I've ever preached on forgiveness, I get at least one email on this topic, and I want to address it now so we're clear. If you have been abused by someone, forgiveness is a process. If you've been abused by someone emotionally, physically, sexually, spiritually, in any way abused, if you've suffered abuse, forgiveness is going to be a process. It's not that simple. And it's something you need to work through probably with a therapist. Therapists, by the way, are good. I've been in therapy for many years. You should probably all go. Okay? So, if you've been abused, it would be dangerous of you to just go, okay, I'm going to forget about it and to forgive. It's going to be a process. Forgiving someone for abuse is much, much different than forgiving somebody for writing something about you on social media or sliding you in a business deal or not inviting you to the party or saying something bad about you. Everyone with me on that? So short of a situation where you have truly been abused, probably what needs to happen for us is we need to make a decision and say, I'm going to forgive. Scriptures are not silent on this. Matthew chapter 5, once again, from Jesus Verse 22, so if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. If you're presenting your gift at the altar, that is the modern equivalent, right? Uh, we don't, I mean, we don't have an altar and we give our gifts online. So uh, how does that factor into our deal if you're leaving your gift at the altar? Well, that means if you're in church, like literally if you're here and you're praising God and all of a sudden you remember, not just I need to forgive somebody, you remember that somebody has something against you. You go to that person and it says, be reconciled. Now that's tough because... Sometimes reconciliation takes two, doesn't it? It's not always up to you whether or not you're going to reconcile. Anybody here ever tried to reconcile with somebody and it just didn't work? Yeah, it happens. So if you're going to honor the scriptures, you do all that you can do to be at peace with somebody else. And what that means is there are going to be times when you go, so-and-so's mad at me, so-and-so's ticked at me, or so-and-so's been giving me looks lately. We need to get better at something. A practice that I have come to refer to as clearing the decks. If, if I sense that someone is aggravated with me or frustrated with me, I know it's inconceivable to any of you that someone could be angry with me. <laughs> Saint that I am. But... If I, sense, if I sense that somebody's aggravated with me, or there's been some strife, there's been a little, there's some beef, there was like something that got said, or some, some words that were misinterpreted, or there's just something, I try, I'm not always super successful, but my way is to talk to the person and go, hey, are we cool? 
I want to clear the decks. I don't want there to be stuff to trip over. Let's clear the decks. Let's press reset. Are we all right? Because if I've hurt you, I want to say that I'm sorry. And if you hurt me, I want to let you know what happened. That confrontation, it's a small thing, but people are terrified of it. You don't need to be terrified of that. You need to embrace that. That's part of being the bride of Christ. Yes? Because somebody here is going to hurt you at some point. Someone in the church is going to hurt your feelings. It's just a matter of time. It'll be me. It'll be, I hurt people's feelings every week when I preach. That's a fair part of my job. Um, You know, I I will hurt your feelings. I'm going to let you down. Somebody on our staff is going to let you down. Somebody on our team is going to let you down. A fellow fellow, uh, congregant, a fellow churchgoer is going to let you down. Somebody's going to hurt you at some point. You're going to have to clear the decks with somebody. You're going to have to do this at some point. Say, hey, let's make it right. I want to go worship God. I want to focus on God. I'm here to be the bride. I'm here to be his. And, and, and there's this thing between you and me. Let's get it out of the way so we can both go back to focusing entirely on him. Can you imagine a bride walking? We talked how gross it would be for a bride to walk down the aisle arrogant. Can you imagine how gross it would be for a bride to walk down the aisle angry? can't believe he's here after what he said. can't believe she's, she's at this place after the things she did to me. Or a groom. Can you imagine a groom? Like his bride is walking towards him and he's looking over the shoulder of the bride thinking about who he likes or doesn't like. Come on. That's not how it's supposed to work. We're called to keep our eyes focused solely on Jesus. To walk in humility. To clear the decks with one another. To forgive one another. Not just be, I mean, because our mortal soul is at stake, because God won't forgive you if you don't do this. This is a big deal. If you, if you need to, some of you guys need to go have a conversation like now. Like you need to skip the last worship. That'd be great if half the church cleared out. You need to skip, you need to, some of you, not all of you, but probably a couple of you need to skip the last worship set and go clear the decks with somebody. You need to make a phone call today. And, and, And if I may be so bold, Do it in person. Don't. Listen. Listen up. Do not do this via text. Don't. You know why. All right, so. 1 Timothy chapter 4. The Apostle Paul writing to the church. Don't let them waste their time, Timothy. Don't let them waste their time in endless discussion of myths and spiritual pedigrees. These things only lead to meaningless speculations which don't help people live a life of faith in God. Don't let them, Timothy, don't let them waste time talking about their spiritual pedigrees. Who's more worthy of an invitation to the wedding? Well, I know I'm a Christian because this, this, and that. I know my sins are forgiven because this, this, and that. I don't know about those guys. I don't know about him. He said something bad about me. She said something I didn't like. He or she offended me or something happened. And now I think maybe I'm a little bit more deserving. Now I think maybe I'm a little bit more 
entitled. Maybe now I think I'm a little bit more right to be the bride. What God's calling us to do is to walk in pure and undivided devotion to him, to walk in humility, and to walk in unity. So that when the watching world looks at the church, they say, wow, that is a diverse group of people, and it is so obvious that they love each other. If you're holding something, if you're holding a grudge against somebody else, particularly in the kingdom, you're setting the kingdom of God back, and it's time to deal with it. Last verse for this morning. John chapter 17. We read this on our Gospel of John series not long ago. I've given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. May they, that's us, experience such perfect unity. Guys, if we're going to experience unity, there's a couple of things that need to happen. One, we need to forgive. All of us need to forgive all of us. Some of us need to forgive ourselves. That's a whole other sermon. For now, clear the decks with whoever you have beef with. Clear the decks with anybody you haven't forgiven. Do that in person if you can. The other thing that needs to happen, and I'm just going to hit you with this, we need to embrace, if you come here, you know, any given three-week window, you're going to hear me say, honor God, love others, and serve all. Yes? That's something we're all called to do, to live an outward-bound life, to honor God, to love others, and to serve. To walk in humility means we serve. Now, that brings me to a quick little dovetail I'm going to add on to the end of this message before I close in prayer. You're going to be observing something for the remainder of the summer. You're going to be observing fewer volunteers around here. There's going to be fewer people, if any, in the parking lot, fewer people greeting you at the door, helping you to get seated, fewer people in the cafe doing some things. And that is because in the parking lot, for example, we're down to like three people who help us run the parking lot. We're not going to keep those people out there every week all summer long. We're just giving them the summer off. We've got some people who work as ushers and greeters. They don't work. They serve as ushers and greeters. It's the same people you see every week. It's a very small number of people that are serving. So I'm going to encourage you. If you want to experience unity within the body, serve. Find a place to serve. One service per month. One. We have 12 services every month, right? Three each Sunday for four weeks. Sometimes there's five weeks, but 12. Serve for one service. We're not going to put you to work and make you do it every week. In fact, we want everybody to stay balanced. That's why we're giving our volunteers kind of more of the summer off because we don't want them burning out because we love our volunteers. I want to encourage you. If you've never taken that step, if you want to know unity, serve. You want to walk in humility, serve. You want to walk as the bride walks, serve. Make yourself known at the welcome desk. Find a place to plug in one service per month in kids' ministry, in the parking lot, on our security team, lights, tech. We need like 100 people to run this church on a Sunday. Ponder that, pray on it, and I think if we can come through this stuff, not being distracted, keeping our eyes on on Jesus, 
walking in humility and not worrying about who else is invited to the wedding, and walking in forgiveness that we might be unified, this will be a church that we could look at and say, isn't she lovely? Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for the opportunity you've given us to hear from you and to connect with you. And we're praying, Lord, that you'll make it so. We need your help to be the church that you want us to be. We can't quite do this on our own. We need your Holy Spirit to get involved. So we pray together ourselves, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Help us, Father, to offer forgiveness to those who have hurt us, that we might receive forgiveness from you. Help us, Father, to walk in humility and purity and true focus on you, not distracted by details, not worried about whoever else is invited to the wedding. Father, we want to walk this earth with eyes only for you. May it be so in my life. May it be so in all of our lives. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give. Or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word True North to 77977 on your cell phone and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.